Saturday, September 19th. On Saturday morning, Percy pulled into the Shady Pines parking lot and sat in her car for a good five minutes. She slinked into the lobby and scanned faces. She anticipated smirks, raised eyebrows, and other blatant indications that staff and residents alike had been gossiping about her and Adam all week. It couldn't get much juicier than a liaison between a volunteer and a resident. She froze when the receptionist called out, Girl, what are you doing here? Up until then, Percy had only seen annoyed boredom on Glenda's face, her jaw heavy and eyes squinting. But in that moment, Glenda nearly glowed. Her eyes were wide and her posture had found inspiration. Percy stammered, Well, uh, uh, there's a funny story. But Glenda interrupted, My word! No story can explain this. You should be certified insane on the spot. How does any teen pass up a chance to sleep in on a Saturday? Wait, what? Honey, for real? I know Denise told you your shift didn't start till 9 today. Meet and greet. No breakfast. Sleep in. Oh. Percy's heart was pounding. Missing a couple hours of sleep was a fine price to pay for knowledge that her secret was safe. If Glenda didn't know, no one did. Relieved and feeling lighter, she decided to pass the time at Fort Knox. Two hours later, Percy stood at the exact spot where Glenda had berated her and marveled at the hubbub. The lobby's usual library vibe had exploded into a seething madhouse with pastel balloons and polyester elastic waist pants as far as the eye could see. Percy wasn't needed for this biannual marketing event because it was always catered by a private company. The corporation that owned Shady Pines wanted the shiniest bells and whistles to attract potential future residents and their families. The party also gave current residents a chance to mingle, and, according to Denise, it was also a coming-out party for those who had recently moved in. Among the chirping small talk and syrupy testimonials about life at Shady Pines were small pockets where savage gossip hounds devoured the newest residents. What appeared on the surface to be quaint conversation punctuated by dainty nibbling and sipping was actually an aggressive hunt for controversy and difference. Ladies with hard hair and makeup like pancake batter descended on the newbies like vultures over a roadkill. Three prowling gossipers walked past Percy, leaving her to cough in their cloud of ginate after bath splash. <coughs> Percy decided she'd stumbled into another episode of Twilight Zone. In this one, elderly people had begun acting like teenagers. She half expected these three well-dressed women to call out, Cake stand! Whoa! And trot into the activity room while peeling off their jackets and blouses. The scene would end with very confused paramedics. But instead of charging non-existent kegs, these women stopped just around the corner to fawn over some poor sap. <laughs> Percy leaned sideways to take a peek at their victim and mumbled, I should have known. It was Adam. He was sitting on a couch with a woman on either side of him and another leaning in from an adjacent chair. 
He began to stand to greet the new members of his fan club who just showed up, but they insisted he was such a gentleman, should not be silly, and should stay seated, and that his tie really made his eyes pop. Adam was just telling us a story. Oh, how nice. We're here to show Adam to his table. But please, finish your story, Adam. You tell such lovely stories. <laughs> Glenda had seen Percy come in and had already tossed her magenta vest and ID onto the desk. Percy grabbed them and positioned herself just around the corner from Adam's VIP red carpet members-only section. As he resumed his story, she pretended to have problems attaching her badge. The head priest got very seriously ill and was hospitalized. And the nuns, who had nothing better to do, immediately began to clear out his office. But when his successor rushed in after a visit to the deathbed, everyone stopped and reverently stood aside. They watched as he yanked open the top desk drawer, finding it empty, made a beeline for the trash. On his knees, he shuffled, throwing papers behind him like a maniacal gopher. Finally, the fluttering came to a rest because he'd found what he was looking for. He folded it up, put it in his pocket, and calmly left the room. The nuns were left looking at each other, didn't know what to say. Within a month, he had money to buy new books for the Sunday school and a new Cadillac for himself, because as it turns out, what he'd found was his predecessor's list of gambling buddies. As instructed from the deathbed, which was basically a message from God himself, he used this for fundraising. <laughs> Percy grunted with distaste ugh, and watched Adam as she headed to the dining room. When Percy walked by a slatted fence, she always let her eyes go soft, letting the scene behind the fence pop out at her. When she walked by Adam, it was just the same, except the fence posts were coiffed poofs of silver, bronze, and blue. She took hungry glimpses of his face between them. How did he look? Did he look old? He did look old. Old as the first day she saw him, but sprightly. Not as desperately old as the last time she saw him, draped against the windowsill like a wet paper towel. Between the last two ladies' heads, as if in slow motion, his eyes rose to find hers and locked on. When she turned the corner and their gaze broke, she was reminded of the moment when their pendant snapped apart. She tapped the metal underneath her shirt and could almost smell his aftershave. For the next hour, a back corner of the dining hall held church for the facility's introverts. While the socialites were flitting about like moths at the blazing meet-and-greet bonfire, about 15 residents read, sipped, and savored their freedom from forced conversation. Percy's tasks were light. She refilled the introverts' cups, maintained a small snack buffet, rolled silverware sausages into their napkin casings, topped off the salt and pepper shakers, and restored the rainbow of artificial sweetener packets. She also took the opportunity to fix something that had been annoying her since she'd started working at Shady Pines. Against the back wall, some frizzy strands of carpet fiber had become unraveled and were reaching like ivy toward an electrical socket in the wall. Percy looked forward to telling her dad about it. He'd furrow his brow as she described the textile's tantrum, that the carpet aimed to insinuate itself into the electrical system and set fire to them all. <laughs> 
He'd smirk when she described her adrenaline rush after the simple snip that restored safety and order. His psychoanalysis would be interesting, but incomplete, since he'd be missing some key information. She couldn't tell him she had a crush on an octogenarian who often appeared to be 18 years old. When Adam went to court, what would Percy say on the stand to defend him? Well, Your Honor, in many respects that are not quantifiable, I'm actually older than he is. Can we please move these proceedings to a treehouse where the possibilities will be more readily perceptible? While rolling silverware, Percy recognized Adam's form from the corner of her eye. He was standing alone at the hostess stand, sans harem. When Denise approached, he smiled and gestured toward a couple sitting near the salad bar. Percy could feel his eyes on her, but she stayed focused on wrapping the silverware so tight that her knuckles got white. When a woman approached Adam's table, he jumped up to pull the chair out for her. Percy felt a pang of jealousy, immediately followed by embarrassment and a smidge of relief. Adam looked natural with his companions. There were four compatible people taking part in an age-appropriate social engagement. Even so, each time Percy passed the snack bar, she lingered to catch snippets of their conversation. As she rearranged the pigs in a blanket and mini quiches, she heard the end of another one of Adam's stories. He had a chauffeur who'd seen him do the lecture so often that he joked he could do it. So do it, the scientist told him. Do my talk. And the chauffeur did just that. And he did a bang-up job, no less. It was flawless. But then, someone in the audience asked a very detailed question. The chauffeur was silent. He was utterly flummoxed and did not want to spoil the ruse. Finally, he spoke. That's your question? That, sir, is such a simple question. I'll have my chauffeur answer it. The chauffeur answered it perfectly, of course, and you can bet no other hands were raised. Adam's friends laughed, which made Percy feel proud. But when she heard the single woman say, Oh, Adam. As if her dentures had turned to syrup and were dripping down her chin. <laughs> Percy dropped the salad tongs with a clatter and returned to the hostess stand. Denise said wryly, staring at Adam. Well, he's creating quite the stir. Who's that? Him there. Blue eyes. He's got women clawing his clothes off left and right. Since when? The last couple days. They're scuttling around him like ticks, and he sure isn't shooing them away. He's not? No, of course not. These old people are just as horny as the rest of us. People don't know that. Or at least they don't like to think about it. I sure don't. I mean, where do the wrinkles stop? How much has gravity pulled and stretched? makes me queasy. Percy wanted to move the conversation away from Adam's antiquated dangly bits. Denise, I know this is a weird question, but does he look the same to you as when he first got here? I mean, at first he seemed ancient, like he could blow away, but the longer he's here, every time I see him, I don't know, this place seems to be doing good things for him. I haven't noticed any improvement. But if he is looking better, it's at the mercy of Lucifer. Huh? Honey, that man is closer to death's door than anyone in this room is building, and that's saying a lot. What do you mean? Oh, he's been flagged for high surveillance due to some late-stage something or other. Put it this way, he may as well never have unpacked. 
That guy right there, gray suit, wavy brown hair, bright blue eyes. Yeah, that guy's a walking dead person. Does he know that? Of course he knows. That's why he's here. He has no family, no friends. He's from around here, and we figure he wants to die here, too. How do you know all this? What else do we have to talk about? We talked about you until it got boring, because it turns out you're just a normal person. And then he came along. He's no different from the rest of them, though. They're all goners. That's why I greet him and see him, but never get attached. Take my advice. Don't make friends. Even the rich ones. Oh. Alright, it's starting to fill in. Why don't you go make coffee rounds? Percy had to concentrate on moving her heavy legs without clomping or tottering. Her body had been flooded with anger, and it was being carried to her face by twenty small jetpacks, engines hot and roaring. Her cheeks burned, her eyes felt thick, and her hands felt huge. She set about clearing plates and heard the clatter of each fork and spoon as if they were explosions. Every time she passed Adam's table, she ignored his attempts to get her attention. Finally, she approached. Coffee? She asked while staring at the tablecloth. He handed her a folded piece of paper and said softly, Please give this to the chef. Percy snatched the paper, put it in her pocket, and walked away to clear every table but Adam's. She waited until he and Team Doubledate left. and As they exited, she watched to see whether he put his warm hand on the small of that woman's back. When he did not, Percy felt even angrier. She'd left Adam's note folded in her pocket until she started her car. While the engine hummed, she traded the paper between her hands, squeezing it into a tighter, softer, warmer ball. She muttered, Liar. How could he be like that with me when he knew he... His head is as sick as his body. She rolled her window down and held the crumpled note outside but ultimately rested the fist that still clutched it back in her lap. She slowly flattened the paper and read, The most enjoyable times at Shady Pines are with you, Persephone, no matter how strange or scary. Climb the ladder again? Percy's eyes filled with tears, but she took a deep breath, grasped the steering wheel, and stopped the sobs before they started. Within minutes, she was lifting the trap door and stepping down the dark hallway. She found him looking out the window. Percy, thank goodness you came. He had not turned to look at her. I thought it would be all locked up. I talked to Harrison, the night guard who found us told him you were a niece, and he has no reason not to believe me. A niece? Was that not okay? Adam turned to face her. He did not look as young as he had before, but he didn't look ancient either. He looked historical, like her dad after a long day. What would you have said? Percy put her fingers to her chest to touch the pendant he'd given her and suggested, A friend? Adam stepped toward her and smiled shyly. Yes, you're right. That's right. A tidal wave of anger approached Percy. Before it crashed, it threw a shadow over her face, which made Adam's smile fade. I learned about you today, Adam. Learned why you're here. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. 
Because you did never intend to tell me? Don't think I don't realize what I've done, Persephone. I've done to you exactly what your mother did. I realized while you were telling me about her, and I continue to do it all the same. It was a deception, but I have good reason. How long have you known me? Only two or three seconds? You can't talk like you know me. You don't know about me or my mom or how I felt about what she did. Please don't be angry, Persephone. You're right. We don't know each other well by the measure of time, but we're kindred souls. That's very clear. Percy was at an impasse. She knew he was right, but wanted to put her fist through his chest until she smashed the windows behind him. The bulk of her anger was old and stale, but that didn't minimize the exquisite pain that streamed from this brand new wound. She sat in her chair with a thud and put her head in her hands. Adam pulled his chair perpendicular to hers, sat, and put his hand on her knee. She looked down to see smooth, thick skin, void of liver spots or wrinkles. Persephone, anger, when purified, is compassion. What makes you most angry reveals who you are, who you want to protect, who means the most to you, and for whom you'd risk your life. When something terrible happens, we become vulnerable to such an extreme degree that we have to lash out to protect ourselves. We put up a wall of anger, at least until we figure things out. Adam pulled his chair even closer and clasped her hand. His soft skin radiated heat. Your mom didn't give you a chance to figure things out before the terrible thing happened and you were left to process it alone. That's not good, but if she had told you before she died that she was going to leave and there was nothing that could be done, you would have been angry at someone. Either her or your dad or at the doctors or at pollution for making her sick. Or at everyone and everything because of how much you loved her. There'd have been no other option but for you to be furious. And so, to prevent losing her time with you, she didn't tell you. Didn't let you get angry until after she left. Adam lifted her chin with his finger. At least, Percy, that's what I imagined because it's the same thought I had. Percy gasped when she looked at his face. <gasps> he was young again. He looked like he could be Kirby's best friend. She reached toward him to test the reality of a rosy cheek. It felt smooth and supple. She squeezed his skin and pulled. It seemed real, not a mask or makeup. She patted his hair, which had grown four inches and hung loose and wavy around his face, then gave it a tug. Not a wig. You're young, young again, Adam. What is going on? I don't know. You can see it too? Yeah, I saw it Tuesday night in the windows, but as soon as the guard came, it went away. And you feel different? So much. I have more energy, complete balance. I feel crisper. It started right after I got here, Percy, which is also right when I met you. This can't have anything to do with me. Percy, have you ever been in love? Well, no. Have you heard how it can make you feel sick, yet immortal? Queasy, yet elated? Nervous, yet solid? I guess. Love can do a lot to a body. I've never heard it do this, but it's a powerful force. Adam, I don't know if you should be saying this to me. You don't even know me. Persephone, look at me. He cupped his hands around her face and his biceps bulged. Look into my eyes. You know me. 
You said once that no matter what I look like, it's still me behind my eyes. Do you see me in there now? Percy nodded against his hands. Do you feel like this is the right place for you to be, here with me right now? She nodded again. Percy, this is the only place I want to be, with you. And maybe I've changed so I can be with you, the way I want to be, the way I can't be as an octogenarian. We can both see me this way, so it has to be real. At least, it seems when we're alone it's real. I'm young again, like you. He swept her hair away from her eyes and said, Percy, I want... Can I kiss you? Um, uh, 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 no, I, I don't know what's going on. She leaned back into her chair and crossed her arms over her stomach. No, 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 you're right. Of course not. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm just... Seems these external changes have been matched by some internal hormonal shifts. More like a tidal wave. Forgot how strong they could be. Well, they're really good external changes, you know? I, You look a lot like yourself. I don't know why you're shorter, though. Did you have a growth spurt or something after you're however old you are now? I don't remember, to be honest. But Percy, when that guard saw me, my old body returned fast, hard. It was like my feet had disappeared and I was hovering. Could that happen again, do you think? I I don't know the rules. It was really scary, though. I'm sorry I ran off. I get it, Percy. No hard feelings. Hey, let's figure it out. Let's go somewhere where no one will see you but me. Like where? Isn't it obvious? Your treehouse. You said the land's been abandoned since your family moved away, right? But it's probably in complete shambles. We need to do a lot of work to make it safe and livable. Though, the treehouse is probably fine. It was so sturdy. Well, let's just go see. Let's go right now. Let's go to Fort Knox. How exactly? I can't just walk out. People will see me and poof, back to Geezer Town. After a few seconds, Percy smirked and declared, I have an idea. Love Makes Old New was written and produced by someone called Dora Henry. For more information and sound credits, visit lovemakesoldnew.wordpress.com. And if you like what you hear, please leave an iTunes rating. Thanks for listening.